Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high-pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. Welcome to the latest episode of Meet the Manufacturers. On this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, I'm going to be speaking with Sean Hull and Sarah Vitagliano from Silgan Dispensing. Now, Sean is the plant manager across five sites and Sarah is the director of US Human Resources. Now, Silgan Dispensing is a leading global company who design and manufacture pumps, sprayers and dispensing closure systems. Believe it or not, you will know exactly what I'm talking about after we've spoken to both Sean and Sarah. Sean, Sarah, welcome to the Meet the Manufacturers podcast. Glad to be here, Claire. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for having us. Welcome aboard. Now, come on, we need to get clear about what you guys make and where you're based. And you're a global company. This is incredible. So, Sean, kick it off for me, please. Tell me a little bit about the company and the products that you make. Yeah, absolutely. So you said uh, at the beginning, we produce products that are well known. We produce dispensing products for the world's most iconic brands, whether it's home, garden, fragrance, beauty, personal care, or healthcare. Uh, we really cover through all of our sites globally, uh, all those products. You know, what I always tell people I get excited about, I'm kind of a nerd this way, but you know, you go in your house and I would say, probably 70, 60, 70% of your products are products that were produced at Silga Dispensing, you know, specifically related to how the products dispensed. Armorall, you know, we're gonna talk to you today about fragrance and beauty products. So all of your perfume brands that, uh, probably the perfume you wear, you know, comes from a Silgan site. So our products are definitely uh, widely available and used by almost everyone. We have 6,500 employees globally. Our dispensing headquarters is in Richmond, Virginia. We operate in 10 different countries and then our products are used globally in 75 different countries. So again, we're widely present in, with our products. We have 22 manufacturing locations across the globe and then we're part of Sogan Holdings, uh, which is a rigid packaging company based out of Stanford, Connecticut, uh, which is $5.7 billion in revenue in 2021. The sites that we want to talk to today about are in Connecticut. Uh, we have five manufacturing sites in central Connecticut focused on fragrance and beauty products manufacturing. So we produce dispensers for fragrance and beauty. So I, I think it's important to clarify a lot of people I talk to say, oh, you, you make the perfume. We don't make the perfume. So we make the pump portion of your perfume. And there's a lot of shapes, sizes, and varieties that we produce. We have the five sites. The sites are in Thomaston, Torrington. We have two sites in Watertown, one site in Waterbury. Our operations include stamping, anodization, injection molding, and high-speed automated assembly. 
We also have a new product development team that develops and designs new products for all of our fragrance and beauty customers. That's awesome. Do you know, I love it. When I ask a question, I say like, what do you actually make? Now, a lot of the times I've never come into contact with products that Meet the Manufacturer guests have made. This one, I'm kind of just in my head working through the things in my house, the chances are that you guys designed and made. I get a real kick out of that. I'm just thinking of the the Oxy to clean my son's clothes, the trigger spray on that, or the pumps on my shampoos and conditioners. So it's pretty cool to be able to go to someone's house or you're indeed your own house and know that you had a part in that. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and obviously with the conditions in the last few years, hand sanitizer, right? So all of your hand sanitizer pumps, Windex. Wowzers. Literally everything. That's quite incredible. A lot of that is made right here in Connecticut. I think that's super important for folks to realize that a lot of those products that they see around their home or parts are made right here in Connecticut. I love that. I love that. I mean, I always knew that Connecticut had like a really rich heritage in manufacturing. Isn't it? That is really cool. I'm going to tell my friends back home. Did you know? <laughs> so guys, tell me a little bit about you. Start with you, Sarah, if I may. Tell me a little bit about your career to date and how you ended up with this job. You've got a very, very posh job title. You are the director for HR in America. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up at the company. Yeah, thanks, Claire. So I spent the majority of my career in manufacturing. We have worn a number of different hats from an HR perspective, primarily focused in talent acquisition, talent engagement. I transitioned to Silgan approximately four years ago and primarily focused in engagement, retention and recruitment. It sounds like they keep you busy. There's a lot of plants, there's a lot of sites, there's a lot of employees. So you must be a very uh, busy HR director. Can you tell me, did you always plan to work within HR or indeed the manufacturing field or did you kind of fall into it by accident? How did that happen? Yeah, frankly, I did not. I actually have a bachelor's degree in biology, so I did not plan originally (laughs) to work in HR. Some influential folks in my life in terms of family and friends who worked in the HR space and so ended up in a talent acquisition role. And frankly, the more I learned about HR, the more I loved it in terms of and frankly, it actually even tied in my biology degree in terms of how people work, how they can be most impactful to an organization. During my time in HR, I also pursued a master's degree. So I did attain a master's degree from UConn in um, human resource management. And during that time, frankly, found that that learning experience tied directly into the the roles I held. Um, And so it kept me pursuing and continuing a career in HR. Awesome. What about yourself, Sean? Did you always plan to work in manufacturing? How did you end up in charge of the plant? They didn't have podcasting as a career when I was uh, 18. I went to college, played college football, didn't work out. Got a job as a manufacturing site as an operator. Kind of quickly moved into supervision and then eventually went back and got my bachelor's degree in business and then a master's degree in business administration. But, you know, really, I I didn't uh, plan on being in manufacturing at the time, uh, you know, when I was coming up the manufacturing jobs paid well. So that was really my motivation for getting into manufacturing. And then, you know, got my degrees and uh, really progressed through the ranks, supervision. I spent a lot of time in continuous improvement, global continuous improvement, and then ultimately got into, you know, site leadership. So, you know, it's been great for me. I've started out as an operator and progressed to 
you know, ultimately a plant manager and I still have aspirations to grow. And I think that's one of the great things about manufacturing is there really are a lot of opportunities that create a career path. And sometimes it's not what you planned out or hoped it would be necessarily. It goes a lot of different directions, but that's the beauty of manufacturing. There's a lot of moving pieces where we need people and you know, a lot of opportunity. There really is. And also, I think one of the things that I learned through doing this podcast, in fact, as being the high technology required, you know, it's cutting edge technology often, always evolving and changing, which leads me on nicely to this question, which is, tell me a little bit about the equipment or machinery that you use to design and make your products. As we talked about at the beginning, we do stamping, injection molding, anodize, and high-speed assembly. For stamping, we're doing transfer stamping, which is really a prevalent industry in Connecticut. A lot of history in central Connecticut specifically and the transfer stamping, eyelet stamping. So that's a big piece of what we do. The anodize, we're one of the few anodizers that can anodize in the volumes that we do, but we're in anodize, we're coloring the metal. So all the different colors of fragrance pumps that you see, the caps and lids and all that sort of stuff, we're coloring that metal at our Waterbury site. So it's not so much a machine as a process. And then on the injection molding side, we have a variety of sizes and shapes of machines, brands, but we're doing um, injection molding. Uh, typically we're doing eight to 64 cavities, a lot of small precision parts uh, in our molding operation. The assembly side is automated high-speed assembly. So you know, we're taking multi-station assembly machines and you know we're consistently adding value so a lot of times these machines have 13 stations and then you know they add value inspect add value inspect there's not a lot of uh, brand recognition on the machines because they're really custom built specifically for our industry but the assembly machines run anywhere from 60 parts per minute to 600 parts per minute so wow really high speed piece yeah. of Super high speed. Um, one of the things that comes up quite often in podcasting show has been the difficulty in retaining and recruiting. Now, it's a question for you, Sarah. Have you found it difficult to recruit new people into the business? And also, so if someone was to apply to the company, what skills or attributes are you looking for on their resume when it hits your desk? Yeah, absolutely. We have, frankly, across the U.S. from a Silgan perspective, hundreds of openings at the moment. Specific to Connecticut, we have a number of hourly positions as well as a number of salary professional openings that we're trying to fill. What we found, especially during COVID and, and especially after COVID, frankly, is we've had to get extremely innovative in how we recruit for talent. So we're trying a number of new avenues to ensure folks, frankly, know who we are. We've been in Connecticut since the 70s, and part of what we're trying to do and, and part of our recent mission is to ensure folks know that Sogan is here, that we're in Thomaston, we're in Watertown, we're in Waterbury. So that's step one. Two is to ensure, frankly, Connecticut is rich in talent pipeline with a number of local tech, great technical schools, universities, and even partnerships with some of the local municipalities that have been very helpful in partnering with us to find the talent that we need. When we're looking for hires, frankly, you know, we have a very 
robust training programs in place that we're able to bring folks in and train them. We're very much interested in ensuring people are connected to our values. So, you know, our values really, and what I mean by that is folks who demonstrate teamwork, are customer oriented, and frankly, are problem solvers. Those are kind of the key things that we're looking for. In many cases, we can train for the technical skills, but those are the most important is the mindset. That problem solving is so essential within the manufacturing world. It's it's something you hear quite often. And it's always interesting, you know, for younger people or people returning to the workforce to know what you're looking for, you know, that they're writing to you, they're applying for your jobs. So it's really such an insight to know exactly what you are looking for. In terms of your local community relations, you mentioned obviously making sure people knew of the company and the brand. What do you do locally to improve that or do you take part in local community activities and events? We do. We participate in a number of community events in each of our areas that we operate. So. Most recently, Earth Day uh, in April, we had activities in Waterbury, Watertown, and even Thomaston, where we had employees participate in local cleanup activities. We also do a lot during holiday time with local food banks and making contributions and donations, make it even a competition at times. So over holiday time, we had a competition where each group was able to donate to local food banks and we coordinated those efforts and the team that donated the most won won a small kind of token of appreciation and a pizza party. So it was a great way to boost employee morale as well as interact with our local community. Listen, pizza party, we're there, yep. aren't you? I mean, if it <laughs> yep, dangle exactly. the carrots, we're going to come in our droves, particularly in right. this part of the world. Yeah. A question for you, Sean. We just briefly touched on it there, COVID, of course. How did COVID affect the operation of the business? Did you see any issues with your supply chain or a reshoring incentive, I guess? You know, is there more of a resurgence, do you feel, on a more general level of, of this Buy American? And how did you navigate a global pandemic that has never been done before. Yeah, I think we were presented with the same challenges as everyone else. You know, early on it was, you know, how do you deal with COVID and what's it mean for our people? And we put a lot of safeguards in place to protect our people and make sure that most importantly, our people were safe. You know, for us throughout the company, we worked through most of that period. You know, as far as the supply chain, it's definitely been challenging. Uh, I personally worked in another Silgan plant that provided cleaning products. And at the beginning, we were really high demand. And then, you know, now that's changing. I think for the fragrance and beauty, we've had periods of low demand. And then we've been exceptionally high for the, the past couple of years. I think for us, you know, it's really just trying to figure out how to you know, navigate and still delight our customers while we're dealing with certain challenges. You know, thankfully everybody's dealing with them, thankfully in the aspect of, you know, our customers also understand the situation, but you know, our mode of operation is really to figure out how we work through that and still accomplish the business results we want to accomplish and also make sure that we're delighting our customers. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT, or you would like to join the organization, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, advisory, 
Assurance Tax. Visit their website, coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify. Other than coronavirus, and obviously, hopefully we are coming towards the tail end of it, are there any other exciting new opportunities or challenges that you're facing at the moment? I think for us, it's we want to grow. We're focused on growing you know, especially at the Connecticut sites, our goal is to be the center of excellence for fragrance and beauty dispensing products in North America. That allows us to grow. That means operationally we have to improve. And there's a lot of focus on that. You know, I would also say, you know, I mentioned the new product development at the beginning. We do a tremendous amount of new product development uh, for our customers. And those are the things that allow us to you know, continue to have a stable operation, stable business, and grow our business. And you know, our customers really depend and rely on us to A, perform and manufacture their products, but also to be an innovative partner to help them grow their businesses as well. And there's a lot of opportunities in the fragrance and beauty segment right now to do both of those things. Okay, question for you, Sarah, if I may. On a more personal level, what three people or figures have had the biggest impact on your life or career, in fact? Yeah, so I would say for me, the folks that have been most impactful are those closest to my life. So friends and family, frankly, you know, we asked earlier in regards to how if I intended to be in manufacturing and frankly, I did not. Um, However, I would say that I watched my family, uh, especially as first generation immigrants come over and work in manufacturing, frankly, and saw that it was a very stable and fruitful career for them. So to me, that frankly made a very large impact in my life, not necessarily that it drove me to be in manufacturing, but more the work ethic that I saw and that sustained over time was extremely impactful. And that's kind of what propels me to want to look towards the future in my career. That's kind of nice. And I guess as a HR director, you want to look after those employees in the same way as your family was previously in growing. Yeah. And and the culture here, especially in Connecticut, is one that I would say is an extremely diverse workforce. And so it's extremely important to us to have a multicultural and inclusive environment. And it does lend towards, you know, very much. There's a lot of teamwork that happens. There's there's folks that care deeply about each other after having worked, you know, very closely together, especially, you know, again, through a global pandemic. I would say we've had to be very creative in how we've looked at work and, and together we've been able to do that. Fabulous. Sean, same question for you, if I may. What three figures or people that you have known even? It can be historical figures too. I've had some really strange answers to this question, by the way, over the years, uh, but have had the most impact on your life or your career. Yeah, I'm going to be pretty cliche here, but my dad won. My dad just went to work every day of his life. He's a hard worker, dependable. You know, really, I think that's one of the things for me that's allowed me to grow my career is I've always been a hard worker. I've always been super reliable. I come to work every day. So I think he was important. Obviously my family too. My wife was extremely supportive. You know, I mentioned earlier, I went to college, worked full time, had two small children and my wife's really 
allowed me to focus on career and yeah so I, I think those are probably the two big ones for me good stuff so come on then, guys what do you do when you're not working what do you like to do to unwind and relax you mentioned football sean i'm sure you're a big footy fan still yeah i like to watch football i like to golf a lot that's probably the thing that i do most consistently like to fish I like to do a little karaoke on occasion so a little oh, no hang on sean hang on we're not letting that slip through what is your signature karaoke tune? It's going to be a couple of ACDC songs. So Good I'm not boy. the most, <laughs> I'm not the most talented singer, but I think what you have to figure out, you have to figure out your niche, right? So there's yeah. not a lot of people that do ACDC. I think I do it pretty good now. I've got a, you know about 20 years experience doing it and, yeah, but nobody else does ACDC at the karaoke bar. So awesome. yeah, I can be bad and look good at the same time. <laughs> I love that. I can, I'm looking at you and I can almost imagine Highway to Hell. Beautiful. Yeah. Sarah, top that. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I can. I will say, you know, outside of work, I, I'm mom and I, you know, enjoy spending quite a bit of time with family and friends. You know, I have two young children, school age kids. We like to stay very active and going to the beach, taking hikes. I recently got my son involved in running some 5Ks with me throughout the state. So that's been keeping us busy this summer. Oh, rather you than me. I can barely run a bath, but good luck to you. Uh, (laughs) I need to. Last couple of questions for you, if I may. Uh, In regards to your specific job titles, this one, I'm going to start with you, Sarah, if I may. But are there any stigmas or myths about your profession or your industry that you wish to debunk? Because we often hear people have an opinion about a sector or an industry without ever having worked in it or know anything about it. So when you say, I do this, what's the most common myths that you are having to break down? So I'd answer that question in two ways. One specific to manufacturing in general. Again, I think manufacturing, it's interesting, has certainly had a very fruitful past and history in Connecticut, and folks tend to forget that. So when I do mention that I'm in, you know, supporting function in HR, in manufacturing, folks are sometimes surprised of the size of our organization, frankly, right here in Connecticut with approximately 500 employees today and five physical locations just for Silgan alone. It sometimes does astound folks to hear that there's still that stability here, right here in Connecticut, and that we are able to offer quite a tremendous and have lots of great examples of folks who have a very successful career within our sites in Connecticut. So that's one. The second piece I'd say is directed towards more towards HR. You know, I think it's important for people to understand that we are able to act kind of as the bridge between what the business needs and what our employee needs. And that's a big focus of us as a function to ensure employees are engaged and that also that we're retaining them and ensuring that we're positioning ourselves as an employer of choice, particularly in Connecticut. I like that. I love that. I've never heard of HR described as that bridge. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to have one foot in both camps and and to bring people together for the benefit of the company. Sean, what about your good self then? What myths about manufacturing or indeed your role would you like to debunk? Yeah, I would say just in, I'd start with manufacturing similar to Sarah. I think the biggest myth out there, especially today with the younger generation is that you you can't make a career or good living in manufacturing. I think that's absolutely false. One of the things that we're really focused on at our Connecticut sites is creating career paths 
not just for people with degrees, but also for our hourly workforce. We have a tremendous amount of technical jobs. You know, so even if you started out as an operator, you know, there's a lot of opportunities and we'll continue to have because of the automation and machinery that we operate. We'll continue to have a lot of technical opportunities. I think it's an area we undersell as well, where we can really join the company at an entry-level job and progress. And I would say the same is true. And I think I'm an example of it on the salary side where, you know, there's really, as, as we said earlier, a lot of different options in manufacturing. You've got materials and warehousing and design and engineering and and operations and leadership, there, there's really a lot of ways to grow your career and advance yourself and make a good wage doing it in the manufacturing segment. That's good to know. Good to know and inspiring for the future generations. So I want you both to get out your crystal balls now. I want you to become mystical. I'm going to start with you, Sarah, if I may, and it can have a bit of a HR twist or it can be straight manufacturing, but I'd like to hear about your predictions for the future of manufacturing and about doing business in the state of Connecticut. What does the future hold for manufacturing and indeed your company within it? I would say that the future of manufacturing, particularly in Connecticut, is very bright, is a wonderful place and offers a great pipeline of talent to businesses in the local communities. Being in the middle of you know, Boston, New York, as well as having its own very robust state university system really gives a tremendous advantage, I say, and could give a very strict competitive advantage to many of the organizations who continue to operate in this space. The talent coming from these places is really top notch. What about doing business in the state of Connecticut? What could the state do to, to better help manufacturing companies like yourself? Well, one of the things, so I'll start and then I'll, I'll hand it over to Sean to see what thoughts he has. But one of the things I've seen more recently that's been very beneficial is again, when I think about it from a talent perspective, I've seen a lot of the local technical schools and university programs starting to offer more degrees that are very specific to manufacturing. So you have Naugatuck Valley and Goodwin, which are two that come to mind that have specific two-year programs, to my knowledge, that offer you know very robust training program to folks that have interest in manufacturing. The other thing I've seen is a lot more partnership through these ways in terms of universities and other you know, local entities partnering with us through organizations such as yourself or otherwise. We've been able to influence some of the curriculum that's being offered as well to ensure that the universities are offering things that you know have an output of talent that we're ready and willing and able to hire. Absolutely. Shaping the next generation, almost ready for you guys. That's great to have a hand in the curriculum. Sean, what about your good self then? The future of manufacturing in your view and doing business in the state of Connecticut? I think in general, the future of manufacturing is strong. I mean, we're going to continue to need to produce products that we use in our everyday lives. The population of the earth continues to grow. So I think from that perspective, you know, there's always going to be a need for manufacturing. I think the challenges in the last few years have highlighted, you know, really the importance of regional manufacturing. I think that's one of the focal points of Silgan is you know, we tend to be very regional in the products we produce. I would also say that, you know, for us specifically, the Connecticut campus is really strategically important for a lot of reasons. 
our customers, a lot of our customers, since we're in the fragrance and beauty industry, are, are located in New York City. So us being two hours away from our customers is a huge advantage for us and them. I also think for the business in our sites, again, specifically in Connecticut, these are really strategically important sites. We're one of the only dispensing fragrance producers in the United States at this point. So that makes us very important. And then I think, uh, again, our focus on being the center of excellence for fragrance and beauty dispensing products in North America, again, gives us an advantage where if we can execute those things and we're going to have a long lasting relationship with the state of Connecticut and continue to operate in the state of Connecticut. It's an exciting time and it's like laying the foundations for the future of manufacturing in Connecticut, particularly through the schools and the programs that are now being offered. It is fantastic for the future. Okay, question for you about, I guess, your green credentials, Sean. Not you personally, but talk to me about the industry as a whole, because there's a huge number of obviously plastic products that you produce. Do they all come from recycled goods or how does that work? The sustainability for the green effort is really a big focus for us at Silver Dispensing, but it's also very important for our customers. We have a variety of sustainability options. You know, we do some recycled products, but it's really dictated by our customers. So we provide that option for customers and they can certainly choose that option. We're also looking for new ways to reduce our footprint through the products that we offer. So that there's a lot of ways that we can partner with the customers and, and focus on the green aspect. You know, I think the other thing that we do as a company is we're very focused on and trying to reduce our carbon footprint. So we've got the sustainability 2025 effort that we're focused on, that we're driving across all of our manufacturing locations where we're trying to reduce our energy usage, our water usage, reduce the waste that we produce, whether it's through the air or through, you know, trash and other things. But, you know, a huge focus for us and it's super important for our customers. So we'll continue to do our part and try to be as green as we possibly can be. Sounds amazing. Sounds fabulous. So guys, if people want to carry on the conversation after listening to this podcast for Manufacture CT, how can they get in touch with you? I guess, how do they find that you've got available at the moment at positions, whether they be salaried or hourly ones? Sarah, for you first, how can people find out more about the vacancies that you have? And then secondly, how can people get in touch if they're interested in your products on a more general level? Yeah, so as I mentioned, we are very actively hiring. And so anyone who's interested can certainly find out more information about us as a company and all of the career opportunities we have available at silgandispensing.com. People are also welcome to reach out to me directly uh, in LinkedIn. So Sarah Vitagliano on LinkedIn. You heard it here first. If you are looking for a new job, you can hit her up. You can <laughs> on LinkedIn and on the website. Sean, what about your good self? Just straight through the website and LinkedIn? Yeah, there's one other option that we didn't talk about that I think is an exciting option for us. And it's through myworkchoice.com and Silgan. So we're starting to offer a flexible work option for people that's not our traditional hiring method, right? So if you want to work maybe a more flexible schedule, you can go to myworkchoice.com and search Silgan and that'll show opportunities and you can sign up through there as well. 
That's very cool. I'd never heard of that. Myworkchoice.com. Yeah, I believe we're probably going to be one of the first manufacturing sites in the state of Connecticut to offer this type of program. But you basically, you sign up through them, you do kind of a normal application process, and then you enter in what they call a community. And then at that point, we post shifts that are available, and you can go in and sign up and work the shifts that you want to work once you've completed a training program through our sites. That is fabulous. Sarah, Sean, thank you so much for your time today and sharing a little bit more about this global company on our doorstep that is currently in probably every cupboard of my house. It's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. It's been absolutely fascinating to speak to you both. And uh, I really hope that we get to speak again in the future. But thank you for being a part of Meet the Manufacturers podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Claire. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT, or you would like to join the organization, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, advisory, assurance, tax. Visit their website, coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify. This podcast was created and produced by Red Rock Branding, redrockbranding.com.